Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Romans chapter 12, and in verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world. If you're conformed to this world, then you're going to be a mismatch with the heavenly world. See, so you're going to, you, there's going to be a mismatch. So in other words, there's going to be a disconnect. So you see, the more earthly, worldly-minded we are, the more of a disconnect there's going to be between us and heaven. And so that'll cause the power of God to skip right over us. Hit your neighbor next to you. Bless them. And then you go without. I don't want my neighbor to just get blessed without me. Now, I want my neighbor blessed, but I don't want them to be blessed without me. I want to get in on it. If I see somebody getting blessed, bless God, I want to be on the same line as they're on. I want to be runner-up to the same blessing. Amen. And that's how it's supposed to be, because Bob says God's not a respecter of persons. God doesn't look and say, well, I'm going to bless this one, but I'm not going to bless that one. No, God, God's good to all. He's good to all. In fact, he's so good to all, the Bible says he makes his reign, that's his blessings, come down on the just and on the unjust. I mean, he's good to everybody, but not everybody's able to receive it. But we're able to receive it the more we get our minds renewed to heaven. And we do that by renewing our minds to the word of God. Notice again, and do not be conformed to this world. Don't do it. Just feel an emphasis here. I'm trying to just read on, but I got an emphasis here. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't allow yourself to be conformed to this world. He says, don't do it. And you're going to have to work at not doing it. Because the world's all around you. So you're going to have to resist it. You're going to have to resist that image that the world is portraying every day. Every day of your life, the world is portraying its image before you. And so you have to resist that. You shouldn't just, just dive into it and just indulge in it and just open yourself up to it and just receive all that the world has and all the world's got. Why? Because it's going to make you worldly. Now, you might make heaven, but you aren't going to experience a whole lot of heaven here on the earth if you do that. And we want to have days of heaven on earth. Right? You don't want it to be a misery down here and just to sit here and say, well, you know, we all get to heaven. That's when everything will get straightened out. You know, things will be better over there on the other side. No, God wants it to be good on this side. He wants you to have a blessed life now on this side. He just wants you to live a cursed life. So don't be conformed to this world. He's talking to, you know, he's writing this to Christians. Do not be conformed to this world. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's going to mess you up. It's going to mess up your connection with God. It's going to mess up your prayer life. It's going to mess up your ability to receive from God everything he's got for you. Now I'm going to want everything he's got for you. I don't want to fall short of the plan and purpose of God for my life. I want to walk in the perfect plan of God for my life. I want his best. I want his perfect will. I believe you do too. You know, how many people want it to go perfect for them? Yeah, then you've got to be in his perfect will. When, you, when, when you're in the perfect will of God, then things just turn out perfect. Things that turn out perfect. I didn't say you won't have problems. 
but it'll always turn out perfect. It'll just, it'll just all turn out for your good and for God's glory. It's amazing. He'll cause even your mistakes to turn out for your good. He'll cause even your mistakes to prosper. That's a, that's a powerful truth right there. And that's, that's exactly how we want it. And so we can't be conformed to this world. You've got to shut it off. I said, you've got to shut it off. And you've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, you've got to turn on the Word of God. Because that's how we renew our mind. We change our thinking by looking into the Bible. Thank God for the Bible. Do you take your Bible for granted? You should never take your Bible for granted. You know, we've got so many different translations and Bibles, Bibles, Bibles. And we've just always had a Bible. I've always had a Bible. Didn't always know to read the Bible. I had this, when I was, you know, before I knew the Lord, before I got saved, I had a big Bible. It was a big white Bible. And you used it as a, you know, as a uh, decoration in your home. Made you look religious. Made you look nice. You put it up there on your mantle above the fireplace next to the praying hands. And so, you know, you had those things. You had the little plaques on the wall, you know. Had all those nice, nice little things. Make you feel religious about yourself. And so, you know, we've just always had a Bible here in America. Thank God for the Bible. We don't want to ever take it for granted. We always want to be thankful and treasure. This is the Word of God. Woo, hallelujah. This is God's Word to me. When I open the Bible, God's talking to me. Guaranteed. Every time. God's talking to you when you open the Bible. And when you open it up with an open heart, ah, open Bible with open heart. See, because you can open Bible with closed heart and not receive much. So you don't want to have a closed heart. You want to have an open heart. That's a heart that doesn't take the Word of God for granted, but treasures God's Word. Treasures God. If you treasure God's Word, then your heart's open. You're ready to receive from him the things he has for you. And so with an open heart, we open the word of God and he speaks to us. He renews our mind. He changes our thinking. So that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Everybody say perfect will of God. Yeah, good Acceptable, perfect. I want the best. Thank God for the good. Thank God for the good. You know, Jesus talked about a sower that went out and sowed seed. It fell amongst, you know, different ground. And then it says it fell uh, on good soil. And it fell on stony ground, fell on thorny ground. But then it fell on good soil. And it produced some 30-fold some 60, and some 100. Good, acceptable, perfect will of God. 30, 60, 100. Now, thank God if you got, if you're going to, you know, if, if you get 30, if you get a 30% harvest on your faith, you're 30% in the will of God for your life. Thank God for 30% being in the will of God for your life. It's a whole lot better than being completely out of the will of God for your life. Amen. Completely off course. Thank God for 30%. But I don't know. If you can have 60%, if you could double that, I want that. 
But then if I find out that double is just 60%, and there's still 100%, and I can have 100%, then I want the 100%. I want God's best. I want to get to heaven. I want to hear, well done. Can we hear that? Can we get to heaven and hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant? We can do that. We can do this. We can have that. I don't believe every Christian has that. I believe a lot of Christians, they just, they just get in there, man, and they're just good to get in there. They're just good to get in there. And, you know, and the Bible says we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of the things we've done in our body, both good and bad. It's all about Christians. We're going to stand before our Lord, our King, our Savior. We're going to give an account of our lives here on the earth. How we handled things. Did we walk in the perfect will of God or not? Because we can. Because we can. We can walk in the perfect will of God. That's why we'll stand before him and give an account for our lives. And he's expecting us to do it. God's expecting us to do it. As a matter of fact, he's counting on you. He's looking to you to be the ones to rise up. Take your place. Take your place in the army of the Lord. Take your place in God's kingdom and fulfill the divine calling the purpose of God for your life and fulfill all of it. Fulfill all of it. You know, again, I think of Brother Hagin and, you know, after he had been in the ministry for well over 10 years, been, in past, been a pastor and so forth, the Lord Jesus appeared to him in a vision, spoke to him about different things and told him, he said, you are now, this is what the Lord said to him, said, you are now entering into the first phase of the ministry that I've called you to. And he said, first phase, you know. Lord, I've been doing this, you know, for over a decade here. I've been in the ministry serving you. He said, the Lord said to him, many of my ministers live and die and never enter into the first phase of the ministry I've called them to. In other words, that was still just preparation. That was still just preparation for the ministry God had called him to. In just the first phase. Just the first. He, had, he was just getting to the first phase of it. Man, I, I want to make sure I'm not only in the first phase, but I fulfill every phase of the ministry God has called me to do. And you know, unless you purpose to do that, there's a good chance you ain't going to do it. And it's not going to happen. See, we got a purpose to fulfill God's plan for our life. Not just sit back and say, well, you know, if God wants it to come to pass, so it'll come to pass. Like it's just all on God. It's not all on God. It's up to our faith. God's part is the grace. Our part is the faith. Just like salvation. Just like being born again. Just like being able to go to heaven. We're saved by grace through faith. By grace through faith. And that's how everything works. That's how we're going to fulfill the perfect will of God for our life. It's by grace through faith, through our faith. So God's the grace part, but there's a faith part that God's counting on you to add to his grace so that it could come to pass. God wants to see it come to pass. Do you want to see it come to pass? Man, we got to see it come to pass like really bad because there's a crazy devil out there who just wants it not to come to pass really bad. And I mean, he is just intense about stopping you from fulfilling God's purpose for your life. He's intense 
That's why the Bible says, Jesus said, the thief, after the word is sown, he comes immediately to steal the word that's been sown in your heart. You know, and this is the devil. You understand, the devil is a, is a spirit of heaviness. He's where laziness comes from. He's a lazy devil. He's a lazy devil. But when it comes to stealing the word, he comes immediately. He is diligent. There's some things that fire him up enough to move swiftly, diligently, to stay on it, to try to keep you from the perfect will of God for your life. Because he's just crazy. That's just how he is. So we have an opponent. We have an opponent. But we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And he said... I give you authority to trample, to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means harm you. Oh, glory to God. So the devil's, he's, he's set on stopping us. So if we're just kind of casual, there's a good chance we're going to be stopped. But if we're intense about it, determined to see the perfect will of God come to pass for our life, then bless God, nothing's going to stop us. Nothing will be able to stop us. Nothing will be able to stop this mighty moving force known as the church. Nothing's going to be able to stop this mighty moving force. Oh, it is a moving force. It's not a stationary force. It's not an idle force. It is a moving force. Are you moving? Yes, and we're moving forward. We're moving forward. We're moving upward. We're not just drifting backwards. Because you, you can just drift. He talks about that over in Hebrews chapter 3. I don't want to just be a drifting Christian. Because you'll, you'll always end up in the wrong place. You'll always end up in the wrong place. Because wrong is all around us. The world is wrong. But we're, we're purposely not to be conformed to it. We're determined. I am not going to be conformed to this world. I am going to set my mind on the word of God. I'm going to set my mind on the things of God. I am not on things of heaven. I am not going to set my mind, my sights, on the things of this world. That's not, I'm, I'm not locked in on the things of this world. I'm locked in on the Lord. We've got to be locked in on Him. And then we'll be moving. We'll be moving forward. He says over in um, Hebrews, the third chapter. Verse 6. But Christ is a son over his own house, whose house we are. If, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Hallelujah. <clears throat> You're still rejoicing over the hope of, of eternal life, of salvation, the hope of seeing Jesus someday face to face. Do you still have that hope? Yeah. Praise God. He says, you got to hang on to it. Hang on to your confidence firmly. Hold fast, hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing. Don't let anything take your rejoicing away. Don't let anything take your praise away. Let there be unbroken praise among our lives. None of us 
have our praise broken up or halted. But man, we're full of rejoicing. We're not going to let a single trial or test rob us of our rejoicing. I mean, look at the early church, right? I mean, they were beaten, they were thrown in prison, and right there at midnight in prison, a rat-infested prison, they're in there rejoicing. They're in there rejoicing. They couldn't beat the rejoicing out of them. Nothing should be able to beat the rejoicing out of you. Hallelujah! Amen. We should always have a, a rejoicing in our hearts, just ready to shout, ready, ready to express it. He goes on, verse 12, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. He's talking to brethren, and he says, you got to watch out, because we could depart from him. We can depart from him. So he says, this is something brethren better be aware of. we got to watch this. we got to watch over ourselves. Because again, the pull of this world is very strong. And it would try to pull us away from him so that we depart from him. And some folks don't even realize it. But, you know, they've departed from him. I'm not talking about people here, but I'm saying there's folks that have departed from the Lord and they don't even know it. Now they, they just have a form of godliness. But they've departed from that relationship with him. Again, he's not real to them. They've lost the rejoicing. They've lost the excitement. They've lost the hope. Now they're just going through motions. Just going through motions. Just going through motions. We're not just going through motions. We're here tonight because we love the Lord. We're drawing near to him. We're excited about eternal life. We're excited about knowing him, walking with him, fulfilling his purpose and plan for our life. He says in verse 13, but exhort one another daily. Notice that, exhort one another daily, encourage. Encourage one another daily. That means every day, every day. Somebody needs some encouragement today. There's things always trying to discourage us. And, and so you just never know where, where people are at. So just, he says, encourage one another all the time. See, that's part of this warfare. The enemy is in the discouraging business. Has anybody, has anybody been tempted to be discouraged about anything lately? Yeah. Yeah, he comes immediately. Just right after he hears, glory to God. You'd think the devil would take off running. You know, you hear somebody shout, glory to God. You'd think he'd take off running. Instead, he, he goes running, but he goes running to where the shout is. To try to see what he could do to distract you from what you're excited about. Try to get your eyes on something else. But you see, if that doesn't work, and all it does is cause you to rejoice some more, see, then you put the devil in a really tough place. See, then he's just, he's just frustrated. And he can't get his work done of stealing the word from your heart. Stealing it from your life. Trying to rob you of the perfect will of God for your life. He's not going to be able to do it. Can you say amen? amen. No, no, we're encouraging one another. Turn to somebody and say, man, it's awesome you're in the house of God tonight. Good job. Yeah. Turn to somebody else, tell them, that's how you break through, man. That's right. Praise God. It's encouraging one another. You did good tonight. You got yourself in the house of God. You came to church, praise God. You said, no, I ain't going to let nothing stop me from getting in the house of God. I'm going I'm I'm to draw near to God. I'm going to be in my place. Because listen, if you can't be in his place... Tonight, 
who's to say you could be in his place next week? And next month? And I'm not just talking about here at church. We can get completely out of our place in all different areas of our life if we aren't determined to hold our place where we know our place is. Huh? God's called us to the supper table. He's prepared a He's prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. That's what coming to church is all about. It's coming to the table he's prepared for you. Right in the face of all your enemies. And, and no matter what they say, no matter what they do, it couldn't stop you. You come into the house of God, you're sitting down, and you're going you're gonna to partake of the feast that he has for you. You're going to eat that good spiritual food, that word of God, get the meat and potatoes of the truth, grow strong spiritually. You are determined to be in your place. But, you know, if we can't get that right, if we can't be in, in our place in the house of God, then are we going to get it right in business? Are we going to get it right in our relationships? Are we going to get it right in our family? Are we going to get it right in our ministries? Are we going to get it right in all these other areas in our life? See, we have to be determined. No, I'm going to be in my place. I'm going to be in my place. I'm going to fulfill the purpose of God for my life. So I'm going to do exactly what I know to do. I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be. Somebody say the perfect will of God. That's the will of God for me. Hallelujah. We're not taking anything less. Some of you should, you know, got to watch about being excited when I said, hey, you know, 30% is good. It's not good enough. It's good, but it's not good enough. Good is good, but good is not good enough. I want the best. I want the perfect will of God. So here he talks about departing from the living of God and that we should exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Don't, don't, don't be deceived. Sin is deceitful. Sin will trip you up and trick you, snare you, take you out of the perfect will of God. Real fast, if you're not on top of it. If you're not on top of it. Verse 14, for we have become partakers of Christ if, there's that if again, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. All the way to the end. We're going to stay in it all the way to the end. How many people are going to stay with it all the way to the end? Yeah. You know, it's, it's not how you start, it's how you... It really is true. Thank God for a good start. But I'm determined to finish. Because I've seen other people that have started out, and they started out really good. But they didn't finish good. They didn't finish, some of them didn't finish at all. Then there's folks that got off to a real pathetic start. You know, they're just stumbling, stuttering, stumbling around, stumbling around, stumbling around. But then somewhere along the line, they pulled it together. They got it together. They got determined. They were determined not to look back anymore. They were determined not to get caught in all of Satan's snares. They were determined to get a hold of the perfect will of God for their life. And then they just went on. Went on and accomplished great things in God. So, again, how you finish is more important than how you end. It's always about ending strong. Ending strong, ending good. Are we going to do it? Yes. Somebody say, I'm going to end strong. I'm going to end good. Because I'm a part of God's dream team. Hallelujah.
God has got himself a dream team. And he said in Ephesians 5, he is looking for a glorious church. Looking for a glorious church. What's a glorious church? That's a church that's walking in the glory. Walking in the glory of God. The Bible says in Isaiah 60, Arise and shine, your light is come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Praise God. Did you know God's glory is upon your life? Now rise. Rise up and walk in it. Walk in that manifested awesomeness of God. Walk in that grace of God that's been given to you. This glory of God that's been freely bestowed upon you. Rise and shine. Put a big smile on your face and shine in faith, knowing I've got glory on my life. I'm a part of the dream team, the glory team. I'm a part of that glorious church. That glorious church. We're not a beaten down church. We're not a defeated church. No, no, no. We're not a church that's separated from the power of God, a powerless church. No, we are a glorious church. That's who we are. That's what he has made us, and that's what we believe, and so that's what we're going to walk in by faith. Praise God, we're going to walk in it by faith, walking in the glory of God. A church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Nothing is adhering to our hands, no spot. No, nothing, again, nothing of this world is dominating us, controlling us. Nothing of this world has its hooks in us. Again, we can go through this world and not be hooked by it. We can go through this world without being dominated by it, without being controlled by it. And that's exactly how God wants us to go through this life. We can, so why wouldn't we? Why would we let anything dominate us? Why would we let anything have its hooks in us? And if something's got its hooks in you, bless God, thank God you can get it out. How? Getting in the Word. Getting in the Word will get the hooks out. You know, I had some hooks when I came to the Lord. I, I had some hooks. And uh, in other words, there's things that, 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 that held you, kept you from being able to to be everything God has called you to be. And so, you know, I'd go through my day and, uh, you know, I'd mess up, I'd stumble, I'd fall. Usually it was with my words, sometimes with my attitude, sometimes a combination of words and attitudes, anger, frustration, and I would manifest frustration. And, uh, but man, I'd feel so terrible. At, 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 afterwards, you know, at the end of the day when I, it got quiet, I just realized, oh, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. And I remember uh, I'd go to the Word of God. Every morning I'd get in the Word of God and I would turn to scriptures that dealt with what I was struggling with. So if it was anger and outbursts of wrath, I'd look up scriptures about outbursts of wrath, works of the flesh are evident, which are outbursts of wrath, anger, you know, da, da, da. And I'd go to all those things. And one of the, my favorite scriptures was 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because, man, when you sinned, you felt so horrible that, you know, you had, a, you had to sit there. I had to look at the scripture and say, Lord, thank you that you have forgiven me. Because you said if I confess, you'd forgive and cleanse me. So I confessed it, so I'm forgiven. So I have faith that I'm forgiven and I'm cleansed. So I'm going on from that now. I'm not, I'm not going to yield to feelings of guilt and shame. I'm going to move on from that. It's amazing. Nobody taught me this. The Holy Spirit taught me this. 
Praise God. Now I get to share it with you. But that caused me to get all these hooks out. I would meditate on the word. I'd confess them. Even though after a while I had to memorize, I'd still go to it and, and read it. I was determined to not be hooked by anything in this world. I didn't want hell to have any hooks in me because that's really when we're talking about being hooked by the world. We're really talking about being hooked by the devil, by demons, being able to have control of your life. So I didn't want anything to dominate me. And somehow I understood that I didn't have to be dominated by anything. And so, praise God, I got in the Word, the Spirit of God just led me, and I confessed those scriptures over myself. I prayed them out, talked to the Lord about it, and God was just forgiven and cleansing and washing me with His Word until all of a sudden the hooks just weren't there anymore. Those hooks, those hooks, I was de-hooked. I was de-hooked, praise God. See, when you're not de-hooked, you're like a fish in the sea. You got all this ocean of grace, you know. But then anytime the devil wants to see, he just he could just he could just yank on his fishing line and just and just reel you this direction and jerk you that direction. And you're hooked. So you can't you can't go too far. You can't just do whatever you want to do. Even though you've got this beautiful ocean of grace. Wow. Look at all that God has given you. But see, the enemy's got these hooks in you. I love what Jesus said. He said right before going to the cross, he said, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. He's got nothing. He can come. He can come. He can bring all his stuff. He can throw all his stuff at me, but he ain't got nothing in me. And as long as he ain't got nothing in me, he ain't got nothing. As long as he ain't got nothing in me, I got the victory over him. Praise God. See, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. All the temptations and foolishness and stuff and evil things that happen all around you. It's what's happening in you. What's happening in you? You can have peace in you in the midst of a storm. You can have joy and rejoicing of heart on the inside of you in the midst of whatever is going on around you. Whatever kind of evil things are trying to come against you. The enemy's got nothing in me. That's what we need to be able to say. The enemy's got nothing in me. He's got no hooks in me. And if he does, you can get it out. You're not like this hopeless case. And you, I just can't do anything about it. I just know you. Well, turn off your TV. I'm sorry. I just, you know, maybe we'll start. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll start there. Maybe you need to change the music you're listening to. Maybe, maybe you need to stop associating with certain people. Maybe, maybe. Well, I can't do that. Oh, okay. Well, be hooked. Be hooked. Live your life hooked. Be a victim. Be controlled. Miss the perfect will of God for your life. Stand before the Lord and give an account for it. See, you've got to be determined. That's not going to be me. I'm getting the hooks out. I'm not going to have anything hooked in me. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm just going to be hooked on the Lord. I'm just hooked on the Word, you know. Just hooked on Jesus. I keep those hooks in me. Oh, yeah, you got to keep those hooks in you. The enemy's always trying to pull those hooks out. Say, no, 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 and put them deeper in. You know, just like that fish. You, know, you, ever, you ever go fishing? Some of you go fishing? You know, there's some, there's some fish. You get a hook in its mouth, you reel the thing in, you realize you don't want that fish. You can't, you're not going to keep that fish. You're not going to eat that fish. You want to throw the fish back, you know. 
And it's so sad. Sometimes, I mean, that hook gets so down deep inside them. It's like you're trying to get the thing out. You want the fishy to live, you know? And, it, and you end up just pulling all its guts out, you know? I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just that hook got so down deep inside it, you know? And you say, well, how did it get so down deep? I mean, what happened? He must have just been just a chewing on it, you know? Just, I mean, he must have been really a hungry fish, you know? He just wanted to make sure he got that that bait that was on that hook deep down in his belly quick. You know, he got it down deep on the side of him. And so, you know, you just, you can't get it out without destroying the fish. That's how the word of God needs to be in us. That no matter what kind of demons come along, they can't get the hook out of you. And they're not going to be able to destroy you. Right? He, they just can't get the word out of you. They just can't get the... You, just, you get a whole... Like this word tonight, it's like some of you just... You're shoving it down deep. Out. I mean, it's getting hooked on your kidneys and your liver and your stomach. I mean, it's just getting hooked into your whole bloodstream. It's, it's becoming a part of you. In fact, it's healing your body right now. Praise God. Pain is leaving your body because the word is just getting in there. It's, it's, like, it's like fire. Shut up in your bones. The devil's just, he just can't steal that, he just can't steal that word. He just can't steal your faith. He can't steal your rejoicing. He'd have to kill Jesus to do it. And Jesus has already given his life once. He ain't doing it again. He's already surrendered himself one time. The devil couldn't kill him the first time. Jesus had to surrender himself. The devil couldn't do it otherwise. And he still can't do it. Hallelujah. So, it just, how, do you get, how do you get the hook down deep inside you? Well, you say what I'm saying. You leave tonight and you start talking about it. Maybe to yourself. Nobody wants to listen to me. Well, do you want to listen to you? <laughs> I mean, you can be your best friend. You can be your best company, right? I feel so lonely. You're there. How can you feel lonely when you're with you? I mean, really, honestly, is there anyone better? To be around than you? Because nobody knows you like you. You know, other than the Lord. You understand what I'm saying. But I mean, you like you. You know you. You never misunderstand you. Right? And you never have to do anything to try to please you. Because you know you. That's nice. That is a carefree relationship. So just enjoy. Just enjoy your relationship with you. <laughs> Hallelujah. And of course, God is there with you. So just talk the word. Talk the word. Everybody should be a preacher. Not everybody should stand behind a pulpit and do it. But everybody should be a, a, a preacher for themselves. Preach to yourself. Preach to yourself. You are your own. You're your best congregation. Hallelujah. I mean, if none of you guys showed up tonight, I'd still be preaching. I'd still be preaching. I'd still be preaching. Praise God. I'm going to preach the word to myself. I'm going to preach myself happy. I'm getting pretty happy already. I hope you're getting in on it. You might as well get in on it. You might as well enjoy it too. Get something from it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank God. No, you're not alone. You're with you. you got the Holy Spirit. God is with you. Share the word of God with yourself. 
Sometimes we want to run around and push it on to somebody else, you know. Sometimes people get the word and they're just real quick, they want to tell somebody else. And then when somebody else doesn't want to, is not interested, they're not as interested as you are with what you want to say, then they get discouraged. You know, I was trying to tell Jules and Jules just didn't, he didn't care. He doesn't care. He doesn't want to listen to me. It's very discouraging, discouraging, because nobody wants to listen to me, and I feel so alone. I got to keep all these things to myself. Why does, why does that have to be discouraging? Praise God. You get to keep it for yourself. You get to enjoy it yourself. You know, we got to watch about just always wanting to give it to somebody else. We want to make sure that we're enjoying it ourselves. We're enjoying the word ourselves. Praise God. I'm not just excited about preaching the word to you. I'm excited about doing the word. I'm excited about living the word. I'm excited about getting the word. I'm excited about getting utterance and hearing from God myself. That's how we need to be. It's not about ministry. Ministry is just an overflow of our relationship with him. We're just overflowing with love for Jesus, full of the word of God. And God will use us and speak to other people, right? But what's the point? The point is we're loving him for ourselves. We're delighting in him ourselves. We're rejoicing in him ourselves. We're excited about him ourselves. Hallelujah. And so that's how we're going to be able to stay in the perfect will of God for our life. That's how we're going to be able to fulfill the perfect will of God for our life. And there's been a lot of folks that... A lot of churches that haven't been able to do that. Even in the book of Revelation, Jesus, he went around and did an inspection on seven churches. You can read about that. Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. He went out and did an inspection on the churches. And he found one church was a loveless church. They had left him. They had left him as their first love. They fell in love with the ministry. They fell in love with works, doing things for him. We could do a lot of things for him, but not love him. We can love doing things. We can love, we can love the feeling of accomplishing things. You got to watch out for that one. You start getting in a groove. You start accomplishing things. Great things are happening. Man, you get high on it. Man, it, it'll just make you feel high, you know, and you just feel great. And of course, if what you're doing is the will of God, if what you're doing is, is, the, is the work of God, the ministry... Man, it's easy to think everything is just great. Well, meanwhile, your heart is slipping away from him. You're falling out of love with the Lord. And so that's what happened to the church at Ephesus. Uh, they fell out of love with the Lord. And he told me, he said, if you don't get that right, he said, you'll lose everything. Everything else will be taken away from you. He said, repent and get that right. Then there was another church, the second church. He inspected them and he came back with his assessment and he said, after examination, I found you to be a compromising church. You're full of compromise. And he told them where they had been compromising. Then there was a, another church. And after doing an assessment on them, he found them to be immoral, sexually immoral. They weren't living right in that church. Then he went to another church. And he checked, he checked them out. And he, he said that they were a dead church. He said, man, you're dead. There's no life in this church. This is Jesus after doing his assessment. He said, they were a dead church. Then he came to another church. 
And, and he found them to be a lukewarm church. They were neither hot nor cold. I mean, he went down the line of all these churches. And there was only one church that he was able to say was a faithful church. Think about that. The Lord goes, he does an inspection, and he finds out of seven churches, there's only one that he can, can commend for being faithful. I want to be that church. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter. I don't care about all the denominations. I don't care about all the different camps, all the different doctrines, all the different belief systems that are out there. Don't make a hill of beans a difference to me. I am determined to be the faithful church, the glorious church, the church that God is looking to raise up in the earth as a great light to the world. How many people know an immoral church is not a great light to the world? How many people know a compromising church is not a great light to the world? How many people know that is not God's perfect will for the church coming to pass? No, it's not. It's not God's perfect will coming to pass. And God is looking. That's why Jesus did his inspection. That's why he went and checked out these. He's, his eyes are going to and fro, and he's looking for a faithful church. And how can you be a faithful church? Well, it really goes along with what we've been saying. It comes back to the word of God. In fact, why don't we just go there to Revelation chapter 3 and look at the faithful church. B and A got nothing but being commended from the Lord, we should look at them. Revelation chapter 3, and in verse 7, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These things says he who is holy. Oh, and by the way, uh, Philadelphia, I believe uh, that name means city of brotherly love. Brotherly love. See? Love for one another. Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples because you have love for one another. He didn't even say, they'll know you're my disciples because you love me. He said, they'll know you're my disciples because how you love each other. Because how you love each other is a reflection of how you love me. So you see, we're to love each other. That's a key to being that faithful church to be in that people that are walking in the perfect will of God and that are going to be that glorious church without spot and wrinkle, that church that's going to accomplish the perfect will of God. It's love for one another. Again, exhorting one another, encouraging one another daily, actually caring about each other. Could you imagine that? And in our world today, you know, that could be a little tough. You know, it's not like we live in a little community and after service is over, we're all going to go out and you know, live in the same general area. and We don't go really, 30 miles would be a long journey, you know. I mean, we got cars now. We got vehicles. I mean, we can move fast. We can go places. I mean, we can go to a lot of places. And we can neglect a lot of people in all our running to and fro and all our busyness. So the way things are set up in the world around us right now, it can make it actually difficult for us to really have community. 
to really know each other enough to care about each other and love one another. Again, we're going to have to work at it. I said we're going to have to work at it. It's something we're going to have to press into. We're going to have to go the extra mile. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to see to it that we do these things. It's not just going to happen. It's not going to just happen. You've got to make it happen. Are you ready to make some stuff happen? By the grace of God, of course, you know, but through our faith, we're going to make it happen. We're not just going to sit around and hope it happens. We're not going to sit back and say, well, I sure wish somebody would do something for me. I wish somebody would be friendly to me. No, we're going to go make it happen. These things is he who is holy, he who is true, and he who has the key of David. He who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. Ooh, hallelujah. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Notice that, number one, uh, you have kept my word. You've kept it. You hung on to it. You, you held fast to your confidence and the rejoicing. You continued to renew your mind with the word of God. You held on to my word and have not denied my name. Thank God for the power in the name of Jesus. There's a lot of Christians that deny the power in the name of Jesus. They don't believe you can cast out demons in the name of Jesus. They don't believe you can lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus and they'll recover. They don't believe these things. That's denying his name. That's denying his name. Denying the power of his name. He's got a powerful name. And when you deny the power, you've denied the name. He says in verse 9, Indeed, I'll make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Think about it. There's some, there's some congregations, uh, there's some places of worship that are places of Satan. They lie. They really aren't who they say they are. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet. Man, that sounds rough. You know, the Lord can be pretty rough sometimes. I'm going to make them come and worship before your feet. And to know that I have loved you. They're going to know that I've loved you. God's going to do some things, and he's going to show his seal of approval on Life of Faith Bible Church. He's going to put his seal of approval on us as a people. Glory to God. Indeed, verse 10, because, again, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. What is this trial or tribulation that's going to come upon the whole world? How many know the Bible talks about a great tribulation that's coming? Now, interesting being part of the faithful church. He says, I'm going to keep you from that great tribulation that's going to come upon the whole earth. The whole earth is going to be hit with great tribulation, but I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to keep you. Why? Because you've kept my word. 
See, that's how God keeps us. He keeps us as we keep his word. As we protect his word in our life and we don't let it go, God's able to keep us and he's able to protect us from anything that would come against us in the world. Even great tribulation. And isn't it interesting that God gave me a revelation concerning the great tribulation and commanded me to write a book concerning it? I mean, before I ever wrote a book, that was the first book I wrote. The Lord commanded me to write a book, gave me the title, The Truth Concerning the Great Tribulation. It's a faith guide for the final days. Get ready next week. We'll have fresh, a fresh edition coming out next week. Praise God. But you see, that's for the faithful church, that revelation. Do you see that? That's for the faithful church. He says, I'm going to keep you from that time of great tribulation because you keep my word. He says, behold, I come quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Nobody takes your authority from you. No one takes your reward from you. Nobody's going to be able to take what God has crowned us with. He who overcomes, I'll make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I'll write on him my new Name. So this is even rewards into the future, into eternity. So being a faithful church, there's rewards in this life, and then there's rewards in the life to come. Praise God. How many people want to be signed up? I don't want to be a part of the loveless church, do you? Or the compromising church? Or an immoral church? I don't want to be a part of that. So we get all that out of our own personal lives. See, because if you want that in your personal life, then God's not going to allow you to stay a part of a team that is going all the way with him. But God wants you to be a part of the team. He wants everyone here to be a part of that team. That's why he's called you here. That's why he's called you here. But remember, many are called, but few, few are chosen. So we got to make sure we're the chosen ones. How do you make sure you're one of the chosen ones? You answer the call. You answer the call. In other words, you're obedient to the call of God. And every day, he calls us. He calls us to follow him. He calls us to obey him. Every day, are you answering the call? Hallelujah. Make sure you're answering the call. And if you're answering the call of God, then you'll be one of the chosen ones. One of the chosen ones. And you'll be able to fulfill this perfect will of God for your life. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. So let's do a, a self-examination. You know, just like the Lord, he comes in and he examines. He examines his churches. Just like we see in Revelation chapter 7. You know, he comes and he examines his churches. And he, he's looking for those faithful people. He's looking for those faithful people. Let's do self-examinations. Let's make sure that as individuals, each one, we're all doing our part. I got news for you. You're an important part of what God wants to accomplish here. What he wants to accomplish in the earth. That's what I'm talking about. What he wants to accomplish in this world. You're an important part of that, but you have to do your part with all your heart. Come on. All, 
all in, wholehearted, not just a little bit, everything. Your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, everything you got. I'm all in. Why don't you say that? I'm all in. Can the Lord count on you? Come on. Don't be left out. Don't miss it. Don't get off track. Don't allow the devil to rob you of the blessings of God for your life and keep you out of the perfect will of God for your life. Don't let it happen. You've got to be determined. You've got to dig our feet in and say, I'm not letting go. I'm not letting go. Just like a bulldog, you know. Bulldog gets, gets a hold of something. Clamps down on it. And it ain't going to let go. We have to have that same bulldog tenacity. That's what we got to have in life when it comes to fulfilling God's purpose for our life. The things that he has shown us, the things he has given us. Bless God, we're not taking it for granted. You got to watch about just starting getting into drifting mode. Just showing up mode. Just getting into that religious mode. No, 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 no. We're, we're going deeper. We're digging in. We're persevering. We're pressing in. Hallelujah. We're going for it all. We're going for him. We're getting to know him. We're renewing our minds to the word of God and getting all the hooks out and not letting anything hook us. We were hitting that uh, Sunday, weren't we? About things, things controlling you. Again, God's got us back to that again. It's so important. It's so important. No hooks. Get your pliers out. Get your uh, wire cutters out. Get the wire cutter of the word out and start snipping these things off you. Start cutting these things. Let God's word cut it off. Cut it off. Cut it out. Turn to somebody and tell them, cut it out. Yeah. Cut it out. Yeah. That's another way of saying knock it off. Right? Knock it off. Cut it out. Have you ever said, hey, cut it out. Cut it out. What does that mean? Cut it out. It means get in there with a cutting device. And cut the thing out. Sometimes it's like that. Remember, Jesus, remember what Jesus said? He said, if your arm causes you to sin, what did he say? Cut it off. He said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. That doesn't sound very nice of the Lord. Oh, it's very nice. He said, it's better for you to go through life missing an eye or missing some body part than to spend your entire eternity in hell or in a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's not where I want to be. So cut it out. In other words, it don't matter how much it hurts. It doesn't matter the price. It doesn't matter what it costs. Pay it. Pay it. Spend it. Do what you got to do so that you can be free because a payday will come. And it might hurt, it might hurt gouging the eye out. Not literally, please, don't anybody do this literally and then say the pastor told me to do it, I have a recording of it. <laughs> it's not literal, but it's, it's just like that. If there's something that's causing you to sin, he says, it's like, you, it's like cutting a body part off, cutting, uh, gouging a body part out. It's painful, but it's a whole lot less painful than the harvest you're going to reap if you allow that hook to remain in your life. It's going to cost you so much more. It's going to cost you so much more pain and suffering. And you don't want that. So you want to cut it out. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. See, I'm just cutting it out. I'm knocking it off. I'm going to the Word of God and letting it deliver me. Letting it free me from every snare of the devil. Every snare of this world. I will not be brought under the power of anything. Because he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I'm going to walk in the freedom that Jesus Christ has provided for me. I'm a free man, a part of the glorious church. No spots, no wrinkles, no hooks, no bondages. Just free to follow the Lord and fulfill His perfect will for my life. Hallelujah! Praise God. Come on, stand up on your feet with me tonight. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.